0: Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Change is a good thing. I'm like you, human being, and sometimes my flesh repels change. But I'm learning to embrace it. I'm learning to embrace it. Because even, you know, things we look around, things always change. Things always change. I'm getting so good that I'll be going to bed at night and my phone says there's an update and I go, boop. I don't even think about it. I just go, boop. I'm updating. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm going forward. I didn't always used to be that way, did I, Pastor Stephen? Anyway. Um, <laughs> we're in prayer on Wednesday. We had the cries with us and that's always a great time. And uh, Nate uh, Solberg shared something that just struck me. He said this, that we, we, human beings, have been created to move forward. To move forward. And and, and here's the deal. You look down at your feet. I don't know about you, but what, what way do your toes point? They point forward. And, and how did God make us? He made us with eyeballs that see, looking forward. I've yet to meet someone with eyeballs in the back of their head. Because God made us to move forward, to move forward. And, and that's, that's what life is like. That's what being a Christian is like. We move forward, we embrace change. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, you know, through the spirit of the living God, we're changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. So you might look at your life right now, you know, and maybe it's in a bummer place. Well, don't get dismayed. Change is coming. Maybe your life is in a glory place right now. Well, let me tell you something. Be ready to change because, as good as it is right now, it can get better. It can get better. The better days, the best days are yet to come. And when you walk with God, when you walk with Him, when you walk in His plan that He has for you, there's nothing like that in this world. Nothing like it. You know, the cool thing is, I love this, is that God only wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to be somebody you're not. He wants you to be who you are. You know, I remember when I first got born again, you know, it was back in the 70s. And, and uh, I, I was in, immediately initiated into some Bible teaching by, by a guy named Kenneth E. Hagan. And, you know, I'm, you know he, some of you heard me before, like within a month, I had gotten a package from my sister with the authority of the believer and the real faith and a David Ingalls a track And I'm like, wow, man, this is blowing my mind. And I remember reading that stuff and I thought, wow, this is the truth. This is setting me free. You know, it was giving me strength and all this. And as time went on, God dealt with my heart and, and he showed me, specifically in my heart, he showed me that I was supposed to go to Rama Bible Training Center, and it was a newer school, you know, and, and uh, you know, I like to say when I went there, we used to have to walk on wood planks over the dirt and all that stuff, you know, it's one of them stories we tell, you know, it was uphill both ways in the cold and something like that, I don't know. But, but, you know, I, went to, I was going to go to Rhema Bible Training Center, and I was like, wow, God, is that where you're calling me to go? I thought this was so good. I mean, I'm actually going to see the guy I've been reading about, you know, because he was the main teacher back then. You know, he's gone to heaven now, but, but you know, when I went there, he, he was our teacher. And I remember I was working at a ministry, you know, at the, in the day. And at that time, that's what I did. When I first got saved, I went to work for this ministry in Minneapolis named Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I worked there f- for a while. And, and, uh, but I remember when I, I, I knew I was going to go to Rhema, I was walking down the hall one day at, at the Graham Association. And this, this lady, you know, girl... Uh, ran into me, and she was, she was just kind of happy, and she, she'd heard that I was going to go to Rhema, and she was excited for me, because she, she, you know, like-minded kind of thing going, and she, was, she, she walked out to me, and she says, wow, Paul, you're going to be another Kenneth Hagan." And I mean, I'm just a young whippersnapper, barely been saved, a, you know, a year, and I remember I just rose up. In a nice way, though, I said, no, I'm not going to be another Kenneth E. Hagen." As much as I respect him, I'm not going to be him. I'm going to be who God made me to be. And, you know, don't get tripped up in life trying to be somebody that you're not. Life doesn't need to be that hard. It's hard to try to be somebody else. When Dana and I, you know, you guys know this, well, this is different than the first service, but that's okay. When Dana and I, you know, we'd been associate pastors in Minneapolis for 12 years I'd been with a church that grew from, I'd say, 30 people when we started with the church, you know, to, you know, at a point where they're at 500 people, you know, and we'd been there. We'd given our lives for that church, and God called us to, to leave there, and I argued with God for a year. I said, no, I'm not leaving here, and I didn't tell another person that he was telling me this. I just kept it to myself. I, you know, you know it's big when I don't tell Dana. But after a year of it not leaving, continuing to come to me, I said, all right. And I told Dana, because something about telling Dana would make it more real and more committed. I said, Dana, I said, we're, we're, we're called to go and start our, a church somewhere in the world. And we're going to do this. And she looked at me, and she rebuked me. <laughs> and she said, no, I love it here. I don't want to leave. And so, you know, I went back to God and I said, God, I'm off the hook. (laughs) Because I know this about you. I know this about you, God. You know, you have to know things about him. When you're following him in your life, when you're following the plan for your life, you need to know things about him. Because it's a filter that will keep you from taking wrong steps. And I said, I know this about you, that you're not in the business of breaking up marriages. I said, yeah, I know that you didn't call my wife to live here and me to live in another place forever. So I said, I'm off the hook. How's that go, guys? <laughs> and, of course, a month went by. I didn't say a word to Dana because I was kind of rejoicing that this was the case. <laughs> hey, you know, you might as well be real. And, and so I told Dana on the way to work one day, we both worked at the church, had for years, had a, had a half-hour drive every day to go, to go to church, to go to work, and drove down Highway 100 Man, we knew that road like we did it in our sleep a few times. But, but, uh, but I, I said to Dana, I said, Dana, I said, you know that thing? And that's all I said. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say, hey, you know that thing? And I haven't said anything about it in a month? And she looked at me and says, yeah, I know that thing. Because <laughs> God had been talking to her. And I says, well, this is what I told her. I said, Dana, if we go do that thing... I said, we don't have to be anybody except for us. That's the thing. Sometimes God calls you to do something in life. He calls you to a position. And we put ourselves in a box because we've seen other people do it really well. And we think, hey, I've got to be just like that. And there's nothing wrong with having role models. I have them. There's people that over the years I've looked up to and 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 you know they've been inspiration to me but don't ever let them press you into a mold that god's not putting you in god wants you to be you and if 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 you don't know what we're talking about in this series is right here on the screen it's it's you matter you matter you make a difference You're not just a number. You're not just, you know, uh, something that doesn't matter. You are someone who does matter. You are someone who's important. You're somebody that God knows. He knows your name. I may miss your name. God knows your name. He knows who you are. Sometimes I call my kids the wrong name. Sometimes I call your dog my old dog's name. It just rolls off my tongue. But you know what? You matter. You matter to God. In Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, great verse. A lot of you know this. And, uh, but, you know, I was just coming to me this week, and it says this in the, in the NIV. I always read this one in the NIV. You know, I like different Bible translations. And what, what's your favorite translation, Pastor Paul? Well, Holy Spirit is my favorite one because he shows me more than any translation, but sometimes it'll do you good to look at different versions and, and just because they'll hit you different ways. What a day we live in, you know? You, you know, I, I've been a Bible collector since I was in, in Bible school. And, you know, it used to be like a big deal that I had 60 different translations of the Bible in my office. Ain't nothing now. You can go to Bible Gateway and pull up a bunch. You can go to the Gideon app and pull up any language. I think you can push a button and it even tells you the story or something there. They've made witnessing easy, I guess. Huh? I don't know your language. Boom. Huh? Listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it says this in the NIV. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to... Harm you plans to give you a hope and not a future. I said that wrong. Hope and a future. Hope and a future. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, read it in the NIV, not in the Pastor Paul, right? (laughs) Don't let the devil tell you you're not. You're not like everybody else. There's something wrong with you. You're not like. Thank God, you're not like everybody else. Thank God. Thank God that we serve this great God, who had the creativity. To make us all unique. And when I say the, na- the word unique, I mean it in a good way. You know, uh, they're unique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. God made you unique and he made you precious, he made you a treasure. He made you, he fashioned you. And he fashioned you for a purpose here on the earth. Well, what's going to happen when we get to heaven? We'll have purpose there. Even in the garden before the fall of man, man had a purpose. And it brought pleasure to God. You know, one of the purposes that Adam had in the very beginning, here I'm going to get into the Christmas Eve service. No, it's all right, come again. Um, One of the purposes he had in the very beginning was just a fellowship with God. Wow, what a purpose. Well, what does that do? Let me tell you what, if that's your purpose, do it a whole lot, be 100%. You go for it. You go for it. You make a difference. You matter. You see, we have an enemy. You know, we live in, in two worlds. We live in the natural world and we live in a spiritual world. And there's a war that goes on. There's wars that go on in the natural world. But there's a war that goes on in the spiritual world. And, and the enemy that we face, and, and he's, he's labeled this, and it, it gives you a definition to, to what he does and how he operates. He's called the accuser of the brethren. So the way that he attacks us, you know, isn't necessarily like he throws a grenade at us or, 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 or you know, comes in with a bomb vest on or something. But what he does is he comes in with thoughts in your head and, and he tries to, to suppress you. He tries to keep you down, tries to keep you from rising up and being the person that God made you to be. And what he'll do is he'll come and he'll try to magnify insignificance in your life. He'll try to magnify, you know, that, that you know, what you are doesn't really matter. He'll come and tell you that what you do doesn't really matter. He'll come and tell you the, that the gifts that you have don't really matter so why bother but god would tell you you matter you matter you have a he has a plan for you he has a purpose for you you know just like we look at this piece of the puzzle you may not you know you know maybe maybe you're a middle piece you know what i mean we've got a corner piece here. Aren't the corner pieces preferred pieces? I mean, you know, you get your corners when you're making a puzzle, and yeah, thank God for corner pieces. But I'm telling you what, if you get that whole puzzle together, Mary, where you at? If you get that whole puzzle together, man, and if you're missing a corner, or if you're missing a middle piece, you're saying, hey, what's going on here? Who forgot to put this piece in the package, you know? You matter. When everything's coming together, you have a part to play. And without you, we're missing something. We're missing something. In Hebrews chapter 12, you know, I I really just could read the first verse. But there's so many good ones. You get on a trail and you hate to stop. So I'm going to read it and then I'll come back. It says, therefore, we also, since we, Hebrews 12, since we, uh, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your your souls or in your minds. You know, isn't that the truth? Isn't that what happens is you can get discouraged when you're running your race? You know, you can be running your race, you can be doing it all, but but thoughts come bombard your mind that what you're doing doesn't matter. You know, the pace you're going isn't going to make you the winner in this race. You're not going to come ahead. You're going to be a loser. They're going to boo when you cross the finish line. I'm telling you, all that stuff comes in your head. And it tries to make you faint and be weary in your mind, in your souls. But, but the thing that I was trying to see in here, what God was showing me this week, is that you and I have a race to run. We have a race to run. I'm not a big runner. I like to go on walks. And there's been times I've ran, but, but you know, it was when I thought I heard a bear or something. But, but, but uh, um you know, my father-in-law's a, a race runner. He's run, how many marathons has, has your dad run, Dana? Like 30. Or, I'm probably sh- sh- selling them short. He's run the Boston. He's run all the significant races in the country. And, you know, we used to go cheer him on at the races back in the day. It was a big family event. We'd go eat breakfast and, you know, we'd, cheer, we'd see him off at the beginning line and cheer a little bit and, and we'd run to Denny's and get a Grand Slam and, meet him at the 11-mile marker, go drive around a little more, have some more fun, and then, then we'd get to the finish line, because we knew his timing. We knew about what he'd run it in. and So we'd get over to the, you know, the, the finish place, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'd go. Dana's a great cheer. She's was a cheerleader in high school. She can really pull it off. And, and, uh, and then as soon as he'd run across the race, I'd make a mad dash for the pizza line, because they always get pizza at these things. And so, you know, I'd put on five pounds at a marathon, the year that the haagen sponsored it, I'd never even heard of a Haagen-Dazs bar before. And they're giving away these Haagen-Dazs, but this was way back in the day. I was putting them in my coat and saying, did you try these things, Dana? I walked home with a whole case of haagen And I think I ate maybe three of them. Then I read how much fat was in one of them. I said, oh, man, you need to run a marathon after you eat this thing. I think I was addicted for a couple years there. Anyway, <laughs> there is a race to run. And, and one thing I know about running a race is this. If you're really trying to win, you're going to get in trouble if you put your eyes on the other people in the race. Okay? When you run in a race, you need to keep your eyes in your lane. You know, you could be a really good runner, but if you're always looking behind, trying to see what everybody else is doing, of course, you're really good. Everybody is behind you, you know? When you're looking at them behind you, they're going to be passing you because you need to keep your eyes in your lane. You know, we read this verse, we know this, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. When Jesus was running his race, he kept it, this is crazy, isn't it? He had his eyes on us because we were the prize. We were the prize, he said, wow, for the joy set before him. You're the joy that was set before him. He looked out there, he saw you, and he said, man, I'm going to do it, I'm going to run this baby Because I know, I know there's treasures out there. There's people out there. So, you know, and then the Apostle Paul, he talked about it like this in 2 Timothy. He was at the end of his life. And and he said it like this. He says, I fought a good fight in chapter 4, verse 7. He said, and I've finished my course. And I've kept the faith. He says, I fought the good fight and I, I finished my course. A lot of people start in the race but not everybody finishes, okay? So it's, it's, I think it's a big deal as Christians that we run our race and that we have purpose in our own selves and that we're gonna finish the race. We're gonna finish the plan that God has for us. You know, the, the, the winds and the bends that he has for us, we're gonna, we're gonna follow him every day, every step. Things don't look like they did 10 years ago, that's all right, we're going forward, we're, we're walking with him. Don't get hung up in the past. Don't let the past hold you back. But go forward in the plan that He has for you. So we're talking about the fact that you matter. We're talking about this, that you have a purpose. God has fashioned you. He's designed you. You know, there's there's things that that he has for you to accomplish in this earth that if you don't do it, we're gonna be lacking. We're gonna be lacking. Really? Yeah, it's true. Matthew chapter 11, I just want to throw this one in there too. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this in verse 28. It just brings perspective to me. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so reading that and talking about what we're talking about, I want to just say this, that... That when you run your race for God, when you are going after God's plan for your life, it is not a drain in your life, it's energizing your life. The reason that we get drained in life sometimes is because of what I talked about back in the Hebrew scripture, is that we get our eyes off the thing that God's called us to do. When we start trying to do things that we're not called to do, that can be a drain. That can make you weary. That can make you, you know, maybe not finish your course. And it isn't that those things need to be done, but everything that needs to be done doesn't need to be done by you. Don't you want to fix everybody's problems? You know, you do. You just want to. And and, and, and uh, I appreciate Billy Graham. You know, he's one of them people that I've looked up to over the years. And and you know, you don't have to agree with everything, but I what I really admire about him is that he's for the most part, he's run his race. He's called to get up and bring masses to a decision. I mean, how old is the guy? He's like he just had a birthday in November. I think he was like ninety eight. Seven, six, he's one of them. And he's up there. I used to know, but I've lost track now. But uh, he's kept focused. He's kept focused. And he's changed the world we live in. He's had influence on at least six different presidents over the years. Did he ever get criticized? Oh, yeah, he got criticized. I mean, tell you, sometimes even just, just praying at an inaugural address, people said, well, I don't believe in him anymore. He's, he's, he agrees with that guy. You know what? You're never going to agree with everybody. But be who God called you to be. You know? Be who God called you to be. I was known when I worked for the association, I was known as this charismatic dude. You know? But they, that was the thing that was so beautiful at the Grams. We had people from every kind of walk of Christianity. You know? We had our word of faithers. We had our charismatic holy roller guys. and We had... Baptists, Catholics, Methodists. But we had one goal. We wanted to see people born again. We'd get together with that mix of people. We'd get together and we'd have, you know, our, our meeting in the morning and we'd pray for the upcoming crusades. Because we all had a had a we could all see that goal. We could all hook up with that. You know, as you're walking through life and, and you know you meet different Christians. You know, you, you you know people from the body of Christ find things you can agree with. Find things you can agree with. When you're out on Facebook, don't be ragging on people. Some people's mission in life is to rag on Joel Osteen or some other preacher. It really uh, Hillsong. That was the one that got me this week. Somebody was just posting this big old post about Hillsong. I've been to Hillsong. You know what? They are thriving. In New York City, they're thriving. And you know what? You know what? You go to a service at Hillsong, you know, they have like, what, three different campuses that meet simultaneously seven times every Sunday. And you'll find every one of them is full, largely with young people. And you will find Jesus is being proclaimed. Freedom and liberty is being proclaimed. Salvation is being preached and people's lives are being changed. And, and my kids are an example. You know, they attend New York Hillsong, and I'll tell you what, it's done nothing but good for them. Nobody throw anything. I'm just telling you, love people. You're not going to agree with everybody. Love people. Hallelujah. All right. I got a little bit of time left. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go for this one story. There's a story in the Gospel of John. Again, you know, reading the Gospels, the, one of the things that just, just blows my mind is, is the fact how, how Jesus went through his ministry and he had this great ability to love the masses, but not just love the masses, but to love the individual. You know, and, and, and he'd preach and he'd affect the masses, but, but many times he'd, he'd just step aside from the whole crowd. And he'd minister to one person. And I I would tell you this, that one person matters. What I would tell you too is that your gift matters. Your abilities matter. Don't let the devil lie to you, accuse you, stomp on you. What you have is something the world needs. What you have makes a difference. So in John 6 You know, there's this story, and there's others like it. I think Jesus had this happen time and time again in his ministry, but there's different accounts of it. But I like this one in John 6 because it gives some detail that some of the other Gospels don't give. And so the situation goes like this, and it's a a familiar scenario because, again, it happened a few times in reading through the, the four Gospels. But there's this crowd of people. And, and uh, I should know this, but there was either four or 5,000 men, they estimated, at this crowd. And these, these people had been there long enough that they got hungry, just like you, right about now. Okay? All right. But I know you guys, you guys got dinner plans. So we're, sa- we're set. We're safe. But in any case, Jesus, you know, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we've got a problem here. And, and, and they say, what's that? And he says, these people need to eat. And so Jesus, right away, he turns to the, people, to the disciples and he says, well, you need to feed them. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you? I mean, this is what it's like to follow Jesus. Jesus will always stretch you beyond yourself. One man said it like this, that achievers for God will always shatter comfort zones. As you walk with him, he'll always pull you to this place that's bigger than you think you can handle. Because, and the reason I believe he does that is because he doesn't want you looking at what you can handle. He wants you looking at what he can do through you. So, so here they are, and, and they came to Jesus, and they said, we've got this huge problem, Jesus. You don't understand. These people need to eat. And Jesus says, you don't understand. I want you to feed them. And they came to Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so they said, they, they said, let me give you a few more facts, Jesus. All that we have is this one little guy, and he's just got a basket full of tuna sandwiches. His mom packed them. You know moms, you know how they are. And she packed this lunch for this little guy before he came to the meeting. You know, she, she thought ahead. But, but all he has is two fish and five loaves of bread. What are we going to do with that? So, you know, of course... This is life. This is how it is. You know, one gift matters. Someone could have sat and thought, well, you know, and that's what they did. That's what they even told Jesus. What good is two little fishies and five loaves? The thing is, it doesn't do a whole lot of good when it's in your pocket, but you get it in Jesus' hands. And I'm telling you what, anything can happen. So they had him sit down in groups, you know, and Jesus, I love that. He had order. He brought order to the scene. You know, miracles, they flow better when there's order, when there's some order. Well, I thought if it was Holy Ghost, we'd have no, no, God's God of order. I remember we were in a service one time, and this guy was preaching, and and he was talking about heaven. This guy's a prophet, and Dana and I were sitting there, and he says, you guys, you're going to be amazed when you get to heaven You're going to be amazed at the order that there is. And Dana, I had to hold her down. She was coming out of her seat. She was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk about the five-second dance, Stephen. Oh, she was doing it. There's going to be order in heaven. God's a God of order. So you had these people sitting down in order. And then Jesus just blessed the fish and the bread and they broke them up and they, and they, 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 did, they delivered it. This, this, these are words that stood out to me when I read it the other day. They distributed it amongst the crowd and every person ate. Did you get that? Every person ate. didn't stop there though. It said every person ate till they were full. Till they were full. God's in the business of filling you up. God's plan for you is to be full and overflowing. Not necessarily with food overflowing. Before you eat it, anyway. Anyway, I just went somewhere weird. But anyway. <laughs> full and overflowing is God's plan for you. Not just barely enough to get by. Not just for me and my four and no more. No, full and overflowing. So he feeds the whole crowd to their full and overflowing. And then Jesus, I, I love this about him too. He said this. He, said, he says, all right, We don't want to be wasteful here. We don't want to let anything go to waste. This is what he says in John 6. He said, so gather up all the fragments. There's something about taking care of what we have. It's it's an area of prosperity to take care. Something that Pastor Stephen said in the Philippines that stood out to him is that people took care of what they had. He said they'd be out there all day sweeping a dirt floor. How frustrating would that be? There's no end to it. It's a dirt floor. What are you going to do, strike oil? I mean, (laughs) I didn't see that everywhere in Haiti, but there were individuals I saw with that kind of thinking. And you know what? They rose up. They rose up. Francilla was, was one I think of. She rose up out of, out of the, the, the worst poverty I've ever, ever seen. But she had it in her already. Cause she'd, you'd go to her, I went to her house one time. It was over in the city of, they call it Soleil now. It used to be Simone. When Devalier left, they changed all the names of the cities because they were named after his relatives. But, uh, um, I mean, she lived in a, a sewer, you know. Lived in a place that was so bad, you, 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 you couldn't handle the smell. Smell it, re- reach out and grab you, put a stranglehold on you, you know. You had to kind of hold your breath. Francella lived down in the middle of that. But I remember going to visit her. She lived in a shack, tin shack, 8 by 8 probably. She had a dirt floor too. That's just how she was. You'd go over there, she'd be sweeping the floor. You know, for a dirt floor, it was pretty, pretty clean. So Jesus said, gather up the fragments because we don't want to waste anything. And he says they did that and they gathered up 12 baskets. 12 baskets. Now, it doesn't say where those baskets went. You want my opinion? I think that little lad had to bring a cart with him to get home. I think he came home and says, Mom, guess what? i got tuna fish for everybody. Because God's that way, you know? He blesses you. All I'm saying to you today, you matter. The part you bring matters. You make a difference. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.